Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, January 13th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only union screen printer in Boston. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Beantown Athletics is also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester. There is plenty of parking out back and make sure you tell them I sent you. Again, the website is BeantownAthletics.com. And on this Wednesday, January 13th, like I do every Wednesday during the NFL season, I will give you my preview for the upcoming week in the National Football League. We began the playoffs last weekend in the wildcard round, and this weekend we begin the divisional round. There are eight teams left. Call it the Elite Eight if you want to do that. Uh, But the divisional round begins on Saturday. I'll get into my preview before I close out the show and go over every single game. Go over some of the injuries that we need to look out for now the next couple days as injury reports will come out this afternoon. Uh, They did not have to come out yesterday. Teams did practice. Teams have practiced the last couple days here in New England as the Patriots get set for their game against the Kansas City Chiefs on Saturday. Uh, They have practiced the last couple days. They just did not come out with an injury report. And yesterday, Rob Gronkowski was not present at practice. He did not practice yesterday on the field. I mean, I assume he was in the building. He just was not out at practice. And some people wanted to look at that and question it and maybe make it a bigger deal than it was. And what I told you was simple. I said, I need to wait until Wednesday and Thursday to actually get a vibe as to what's going on with Gronk and if we should really be concerned about his absence. Now, I held off on beginning this podcast today until the local media would go out and tweet to us just who was at practice at the beginning because the media goes out And they get to watch, what, the first 10, 15 minutes of practice? I forget the amount of time. It's not a long period of time. I used to do it when I covered the team for Comcast Sportsnet New England. And, uh, you know, we'd all sit there with our rosters in front of us, and we'd check off the numbers, and um, we'd tweet out right after we were told we had to leave the field. That's when you can tweet what players were available and what players, you know, were not on the field. And the tweets that came out immediately today, just moments ago, with that Rob Gronkowski was at practice. He was on the field. He was in uniform, had the equipment on. Rob Gronkowski was on the field. I'm seeing that maybe Trey Jackson was the only player, New England Patriots player that was not out there. So um, that's good news. That's great news. And I never really was concerned about the Gronk absence yesterday anyways. Today is obviously a much more important practice day than yesterday was. And Gronk, being someone who has dealt with some injuries here late in this season, you know, I I don't think it's crazy to believe that you could give somebody who's been dealing with injuries, who's so important for you, in these playoff games, I don't think it's crazy to say, all right, they gave him a day off, he was getting treatment, he still did film study, he still worked out doing some things inside in the facilities, it'll be okay, he'll be back out on Wednesday. I don't think that's any type of crazy storyline. Now, um, 
as I went home last night, here's what I did yesterday. I did this podcast, as I do every day. Went home. Uh, checked out some of the major storylines. You know, you watch the 5 o'clock news, 6 o'clock news, whatever you watch. Um, you know that later that night, President Obama was going to give his final State of the Union address, so you're looking forward to that. Um, but you do not, you don't expect, you do not expect a storyline that reads Chandler Jones, early Sunday morning, checks himself into police and checks himself uh, into a hospital for an apparent medical emergency. You don't expect to see that. And when that story comes out, I, I went to the gym last night and I, I stopped by a, a local place that I usually eat, Marisola's in Selty on l and uh, it's, it's the corner that me and my friends grew up on. Marisola's been going there my entire life. It's really my, my second kitchen. You could even make the argument it's my first kitchen, to be honest. But I'm always going in Marisola's, getting something to eat, getting a nice dinner for myself, a lunch, dinner, what, you name it, they have it. Uh, I recommend going there. He's guys, Guy Marisola is not paying me to say this. Uh, he won't pay me to say this, but maybe I'll get a, a discounted meal next time I go in there. Uh, again, I doubt that, but it's, <laughs> I'm in there all the time. Again, you could possibly say it's not just my second kitchen, it's my first kitchen. And I go in there last night. I go to the gym. I go in there last night. I had seen the Chandler Jones report on my phone as I was in the gym. And you, you, you start asking yourself questions, certainly. I, I did it. You know, that's how I reacted to it. You say, well, what, what really was going on? Like, what's the story here? Because when this story first came out, there weren't many answers. We heard Chandler Jones, police, medical emergency, turned himself in. You know, and, and look, the, the world that I live in, a lot of my friends are cops. Okay, a lot of my friends are cops, have become Boston police officers. Gang unit, drug unit, regular police officers on the street, uh, you name it, they're there. And along with that, whenever something happens, especially with a professional athlete in this town, you know, rumors, rumors start flying. And people say things, and people, you know, you, you play the game, of, people play the game of telephone. Somebody says something to someone else, all police officers seem to be connected in some way, shape, or form, it seems. And next thing you know, you, the, the, the circulation of rumors and things that are said can get crazy. They can, become, they can become crazy, insane rumors. All right? Hysterical, really. But last night, I go to the gym. I see this report. And I go get something to eat after. I walk into Marisola's. And Guy Marisola always wants to talk Patriots. Loves the Patriots. Sometimes has some crazy theories. Okay? They're not all crazy, but sometimes does. And I tweeted out last night. I said, well, just walked into Marisola's. And I, I told Guy Marisola I was going to tweet this too. I said, just walked into Marisola's. And Guy Marisola, you know, it, it's safe to say that the Patriots' conspiracy theories are running wild. And they're running wild. They are. I mean, this is now CSI New England, CSI Foxborough, and everybody's trying to dig into it. Everybody's trying to talk to Foxborough police, medical staff, people on the Patriots. Everybody's trying to get to the bottom of this Chandler Jones report. But last night, <laughs> um, 
I didn't expect some of the rumors and conspiracy theories to go where they went. And a day later, I think that people are still trying to put together the pieces to this puzzle. And when you go back to all the stuff that we witnessed yesterday with this Patriots team, first and foremost, Bill Belichick having a black eye. Like, I walk into Marisola's last night, and some of the conspiracy theories that I heard in there were, Bill Belichick had a black eye because there was some incident that involved Chandler Jones getting arrested uh, for something that, that they think Gronk might have been involved in. So Gronk misses practice, and there's a, an argument between Belichick, Jones, and Gronk, and it leads to a fight, and the black eye, like, people were connecting the Chandler Jones situation with Gronk missing practice with the Belichick black eye, and I'm just going, wait a minute, hold on, please, can back it up. I, I, I know that the playoffs are here, people are freaking out, you want things to be perfect, and with the injuries and, and the way the Patriots have played in the last six weeks, losing four of their last six, sort of limping into the playoffs, not getting that number one seed because you lose to the Jets and the Dolphins in the final two weeks. I get it. Things are not going the way, uh, the perfect way that you'd like them to go for a team that certainly, when everybody is healthy, when everybody's on the field, has a, a team that has a chance to win another Super Bowl, right? Has a chance to win another Super Bowl, no question. You don't want, This isn't the perfect best-case scenario for the Patriots to come into the playoffs. So some people are freaking out. And and I can just, at this point, you know, I'm hearing these theories last night. All I can do is laugh about it. I go home, and I've got my, my dinner to go. I go home. I watch the State of the Union. Um, I tweeted out something about Sally Mae, won't stop calling, right? Did President Obama talk about student loans because Sally Mae won't stop calling me? Yeah, you get your people that tweet, you oh, stick to, you know, get away from politics, stick to sports. I mean, first of all, shut the fuck up. It wasn't a, it wasn't really a serious political tweet. If you thought it was, you need to, you need to get off Twitter for a little bit. Um, second of all, if you listen to me, you know that I usually don't go into the politics stuff because I tell you that, you know, I, I would lose, I would lose most political arguments. I just, it, it's not really something that I wake up every day paying much attention to. Um, I mean, I, I know the biggest stories that are out there, of course, I, I, I've reacted to the Republican debate sometimes on the show. I've reacted uh, to things that Obama said. But to be honest, you know, I, I, I know my role in the political debate scene. Right? I, I do. I've acknowledged that. So anybody that's going to tweet me about my tweet last night with Sally Mae student loans and Obama, I mean, lighten up. It was pretty clear that was that tweet was said in jest. Okay. Uh, but I, that's what was going on last night. And you wake up this morning and all I can really do still is laugh about the conspiracy theories that people had with the Chandler Jones situation, Gronk Mason practice, the Bill Belichick black eye and the people combining those stories together. And today I held off on this podcast to wait and see if Gronk was at practice. You know, if Chandler Jones was at practice and they were, they were at practice today. Now Chandler Jones Hasn't missed a practice. He was at practice Monday. He was at practice yesterday. He's at practice today. Gronk returns today. The other developing story here is that Bill Belichick, and I read this from both Phil Perry and Mike Giotti's tweets, Bill Belichick today with the media just, they're just in there. I've been there. Look, I've been there. But everybody wants to still, everybody wants to scoop. Now, you're never going to get the scoop. To think that you would go into Gillette today, to go into the Patriots locker room, knowing the way they operate, 
and think that you are going to get some type of scoop out of anybody on the Chandler Jones situation, then, you know, you just, you're not, you're not, you're not thinking the right way. Like, you're not living in reality. The real world in Foxborough, you can make it CSI New England. You can try to turn it into that all you want, but you're not going to get any dirt inside that locker room. It's just not going to happen. But the media was in there. Uh, there were, I'm sure, more media, not just because of playoffs, but because of this Chandler Jones story, more media than there's been in a long time. And people want to get to the bottom of this. And Bill Belichick knows that. And Bill Belichick, the guy who had the black eye yesterday at practice, I read this from Phil Perry and Mike Giotti's tweets. Bill Belichick walked through the locker room today. Walked through the locker room with the media in there. Now, the media is only in there for, what, 45 minutes to an hour? So he could have walked through the locker room at any point in time doing this. But he chose to do it when the media was in there. He walked through the locker room holding a pair of boxing gloves. (laughs) Holding a pair of boxing gloves. Now, uh, I tweeted out, I think Bill Belichick is a hilarious dude. The guy is fucking beautiful, right? He is. I mean, only Bill Belichick, only Bill Belichick. And for the people that see Bill Belichick when he's on TV, when he does his press conferences and he looks miserable and he's not giving any answers and it looks like he hates the world and it turns out that a lot of people, because of this, don't like him and don't like his attitude. I've been at these press conferences and I've seen Bill Belichick when the cameras are off, when that press conference is over and as he's walking away from the podium, I've seen him... After some of his most miserable press conferences, I've seen him crack a smile. I've seen him acknowledge that perhaps that miserable tone that he had throughout that entire press conference was not really how he actually feels. Like, you know, he just goes into that mode. He goes into that role because he is not going to give the media anything to chew on during the week. Um, you know, he is not going to give up any inside information. Uh, there was. Let me give one example. One of my first press conferences I ever covered of Bill Belichick when I was covering the team for Comcast Sportsnet, I began in like 09, the 2009 season, middle of the 2009 season, I, I, I believe. And um, well, was that the year that was that the year Ray Rice ran it up the middle in the playoffs right at the beginning of the game for an early touchdown and it just silenced the building? I think that was one of my first years. Was it, it might have been that year or the year after. The Patriots were playing in New Orleans. And there was a press conference at Gillette, I want to say the Wednesday, heading into that game where Bill Belichick would do a press conference. And he was as miserable as you could be. It was just, he wasn't given any answers. You know, typical, typical Belichick press conference. And the moment the press conference was over, the moment the cameras stopped rolling and, you know, the cameraman started wrapping up their cameras to go into the, into the locker room or wherever we were going, wherever they were going to do their stand-ups out in the field. Belichick walks off the podium, and as he was walking out, he turns and he looks at the media, and he cracks his smile, and he said, everybody take it easy on Bourbon Street this weekend, all right? And he started laughing, and he walks out of the room. And I'm sitting there going to myself, all right, now, I, you know, I kind of get it. Bill Belichick, what he is at that podium when the cameras are on, it's not the real Bill Belichick. And, you know, as you, as you see things over the years, you see things that he does when, the, when he's away from the cameras or, um, you know, when he's not at a press conference during the football season, Bill Belichick seems like a cool dude. He's a funny guy. And that's just what I get from him. So a lot of times 
He will give you some stuff, walk through the locker room, and this situation today, to me, shows what Bill Belichick is all about, is that he's not always this dead serious, miserable coach that doesn't answer questions, that uh, doesn't like anybody. Bill Belichick, there's there's a method to his madness with the media, and I just think he's hilarious. And he walks through the locker room today at Gillette, holding a pair of boxing gloves. He's got a black eye, and he knows exactly what he's doing. He's, he is fucking with the media. He's fucking with everybody. The guy's beautiful. I'm telling you, he's hilarious. And not only that, because he could have picked any moment in time to walk through the locker room with, the, with a pair of boxing gloves, right? He could have. I think it's great. And not only that, but when you actually start thinking about like the theories as to why he has a black eye, I... I don't know. I guess I haven't really spent much time on it. And to be quite honest with you, I haven't spent much time on trying to connect the dots between the Chandler Jones situation, the Gronk situation, and the Belichick black eye. And when I say Gronk situation, I, I, I say that lightly. I mean, situation is what? He missed practice yesterday? Well, we now know today he returned to practice. So is it really a situation anymore with Gronk? Um, I haven't spent much time trying to connect those dots. I, I just, I don't feel the need to. And the Belichick black eye, I haven't spent much time really trying to debate what the real reason is he had that black eye. It's a little, it's above his eyelid, it's on the top of his eye. And while I think him walking through the locker room today with boxing gloves is hilarious, and I think there's a method to his madness, uh, I also think don't think it's crazy to believe that Bill Belichick, you know, there's some area in the facility in which they work out, in which there's some type of heavy bag or Belichick or some of the players are hitting the mitts. I mean, it's a great workout. And, you know, if you're hitting the mitts, right? You ever hit the mitts? You're hitting the mitts? There's a couple moves and you're hitting the mitts with a guy with the mitts. He's throwing punches at you. You got to duck, bob, weave, you know, get out of the way. Sometimes you get, Sometimes the guy with the mitts can connect. And if the, the guy with the mitts throws a jab and you're supposed to get out of the way and you, there's a miscommunication there and you don't get out of the way, that mitt can hit you in the eye. And it could create that black eye. I don't know if Belichick's out hitting the mitts, getting in shape. I mean, would you be shocked? I mean, I know I, I wouldn't. But maybe he's carrying the gloves to go hit the mitts. Or the, the players are hitting the heavy bag. Or they're hitting the mitts. It's a workout. I don't know what the reason is. I just know that it's hilarious that Belichick chose that moment in time when the media's in the locker room to carry the, the, the boxing gloves through the locker room in front of the media. This, clearly, he did it with a purpose. And it's clearly hilarious. Because you don't think Belichick reads some of this shit and hears some stuff on the radio and thinks to himself, these guys are out of their fucking minds. To the point where all you can really do is laugh about it, right? All you can really do is laugh about it, especially if you're Bill Belichick and you see the Chandler Jones situation and you think to yourself, all right, we can't have this happen, but we're going to get, this is, this is one time. This isn't good. This doesn't look good, but we're going to, you know, we need him and he seems to be fine and he's here for practice and we're going to move on. If this happens again, then, all right, but this is a warning. Don't let it happen again. You know, you also look at this Chandler Jones stuff and the fact that he's out in the practice field. I mean, how serious was it? Now, here's what we know. And I'm assuming that you know by now the Chandler Jones story. If you don't, well, you're really out of the loop. 
if you're a Patriot fan. Now, let's say you're not. Let's say you don't know what's going on. Chandler Jones, they need him. Uh, they need him on the outside. They need him to get to the quarterback. There's no question about it. He didn't play in Week 17. I assume that he's going to play here in the divisional round on Saturday against Kansas City. He has practiced all week. He has not missed a practice. But here's what we know about the Chandler Jones situation. All right? It looks like Chandler Jones was having a good time on Saturday night. That's what it looks like. Patriots had the bye week. Chandler Jones having a good time for himself. Turns out he had a little too good of a time. Realized it. Kind of was bugging out. Was in a state of confusion. Because he had too good of a time. Turned himself in. Those are the reports. Turned himself in. Walked to a police station. And he, he searched for medical attention. That's what he was looking for. Medical attention. Because he wasn't feeling good. Wasn't feeling right. Uh, whatever he was doing, it, it, it did, it was, a, he was having a little too good of a time to the point where he knew something wasn't right. Okay. He was bugging out, freaking out in a confused state, I, whatever it is, whatever he was doing while he was partying on Saturday, he did a little too much of it or he did the wrong stuff. Whatever it was, we still don't know. Apparently the cops went to the house. They saw, they found implements for, uh, for smoking weed and we can, we can put two and two together and think that was it. Maybe there was something that, you know, he smoked that it, it was he had a different reaction to than, than he usually does. And, and here he was in a parking lot, they say barefoot, maybe with his shirt off, <laughs> looking for medical attention because he wasn't feeling too hot. He wasn't feeling right. He was a little confused, didn't know what was going on, had a little too good of a time. Now, what we also know after we see this is that he was present at practice on Monday. He was present at practice yesterday on Tuesday. And he was present at practice today. And I told you, I haven't really in my head turned this thing into the Belichick black eye, Rob Gronkowski missing practice yesterday, Chandler Jones with this issue. I haven't, I haven't connected those dots. Realistically, I don't think you should. I told you I went into Marisola's last night and the conspiracy theories are running wild. That's, that's a, I mean, that's a real thing. People, fans, even media members are trying to connect these dots to the point where I just think it's hysterical. And even to the point where I think now with Belichick walking through the room with boxing gloves, I think he even finds some humor in, how outrageous some of these things people are saying are, right? Because, again, Chandler Jones is practicing. He seems fine. And uh, I, I look at that, him practicing, and it tells me, it, it shows me how important he is to this team, right? And it tells me perhaps we should not overreact to this as some type of situation that's going to pull this team apart entering the playoffs. The fact that he's practicing. You know, if the league wants to pursue this, the league can pursue it. But from everything that I know about the league is that if they pursue this and they want to give Chandler Jones a drug test and they find that there's something in his system that uh, he shouldn't have in his system, then what they will do is they will put him on the league's substance abuse program. Right? They'll give him sort of a warning or an initial violation. Now, multiple violations are usually required before they suspend him. So, so Chandler Jones, as long as it's not a PED, as long as this is not a performance-enhancing drug, and 
we're not hearing that it is, right? Uh, so from everything that I think, I think we can rule out one thing, that we're not talking about PEDs. And if we're not talking about PEDs, you know, the people that say, well, you got to give this the same amount of attention as the Peyton Manning stuff. I mean, no, I don't. The Peyton Manning stuff is fucking HGH. It's a performance-enhancing drug, all right? No, I, I don't need to. You know, that's something that if you test positive for it now, because they do test for it, you know, you get suspended. I mean, if you're caught with it, you get suspended. Chandler Jones is not going to get suspended. He was not, this wasn't a PED situation. So no, I don't need to give it the same uh, um, amount of coverage, or it shouldn't get the same amount of coverage as that. Now, the Peyton Manning stuff hasn't really got a lot of coverage nationally, and I complained about that. Do I think the Chandler Jones stuff here is a story? Of course it is. I mean, he is a vitally important piece to this Patriots team and the success that, that they're going to have, his pass rush, his ability to get to the quarterback. They need him on that outside edge. And if you get Hightower back, which I think they will, it looks like they will, to go along with Jamie Collins, who seems to be getting healthier and healthier after his illness week after week, you know, those two guys, whether it's one or both or maybe disguising it and neither busting up the middle, Combined with Ninkovich and Jones and, and Malcolm Brown, I mean, it, what the Patriots have, what they pride themselves on this year, and at least at least that's what I, that's what we all sort of feel like when they didn't re-sign Revis, when they didn't bring back Brown, and we said, all right, how about their front seven? All right, the guys that they have up front, the guys in the defensive line, the linebackers that can pursue the quarterback, that can bust up that A-gap, right? That is going to help the secondary that didn't bring back those guys like Revis and Browner. And, and it, that's turned out to be true because the Patriots' defense has been great this year to the point where I never thought it would be this good. But Chandler Jones is a major piece of that success. And because he was allegedly walking around a parking lot with his shirt off and, and his shoes off uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning on the bye weekend going into the playoffs, uh, it is a story. There's no question it's a story, and it needs to be covered, and people want answers, and, and I can understand that, but I don't know that we should overreact when we ask some of the questions to get those answers, but an overreaction would be connecting the dots between the Chandler Jones thing, Gronk missing practice yesterday, and Belichick's black eye. Like, I think that's an overreaction, and... The fact that you see Chandler Jones practicing every day this week would tell me that maybe some of the coverage that it is getting, yes, it's a story, but maybe we should take a couple steps back before we give this thing too much coverage, right? Let's not overreact to this because clearly I don't think the Patriots are, right? And if it's not a PED and the league wants to pursue it, then, you know, he goes on the substance abuse program and he doesn't have a suspension, and he plays uh, this weekend, and that's that. I don't think this is something that's going to pull this team apart, and if it's not something that's going to pull this team apart, I guess I ask myself how much time do you actually want to spend on it? How much, because, again, I don't know that we know. I don't think we, we have all the answers, and I don't know that we're going to get them all uh, you know, during the playoffs. Uh, and there have been some reports that maybe this, whatever the party, wherever the party was, it was at Gronk's house. I don't know. I, I don't know that to be true. Those are things that have been floated out there. And um, certainly that helps some people connect, try to connect the dots to Gronk missing practice and, and Belichick's black eye. But again, you combine all that with those guys are practicing today. 
Chandler Jones has practiced all week. Hasn't missed anything. Belichick walks through the locker room today with a pair of boxing gloves. It, 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 are we are we going to continue on this road of of this being a major serious story that is ripping this team apart from the inside? At first, first glance, initial response reaction should be, this is a story, I need answers. But as we see things come out, as we see the team move on, as we see the team prepare for Kansas City, as we see Belichick walk through the locker room with a pair of boxing gloves, where where are we going to go with this story? Like, where do we go from here? Did Chandler Jones fuck up? Yes, he fucked up. I think he probably acknowledged that to the team. I, I think Belichick acknowledged it to the team. I think I, I read a quote earlier from Matthew Slater that said Belichick told the team what happened with Chandler Jones. And uh, it's a situation that they're going to deal with internally. And as I told you, if the league wants to pursue, they can pursue. But this isn't a, this isn't a, a suspension-worthy issue. Not under the league standards. And we expect Chandler Jones to play. And he needs to play. The team needs him. I get it. If this was someone like Johnny Manziel... This would be the top story on SportsCenter. It would be the top story on SportsCenter. But it's not Johnny Manziel. And the reason it, it would be the top issue on SportsCenter with Johnny Manziel is because it wouldn't be any, it wouldn't be the first time this has happened. At least with Chandler Jones, this scene, at least from everything I know, this seems to be the first time this has gone on with him, something like this. And. I keep going back to, well, he had he was having fun. They were partying Saturday night. Would you like them to maybe not have done what they did and stayed home, watch some football, not need a babysitter, and get ready for the playoffs like it seems Tom Brady is getting ready for the playoffs? Yes, I would love them to do that. And, you know, if you're a Patriot fan and you're not happy with the way Chandler Jones was you want to say acting up on Saturday night, early Sunday morning, then just go ahead, be upset. But if he shows up to practice Monday and the team hasn't practiced, he shows up to practice Tuesday, the team hasn't practiced, you know, the team hasn't practiced. If he shows up to practice today, the team hasn't practiced. He's practicing. The team wants him. He wants to, pr- I mean, he's fine. What? Where are we going to go with the story? Like, where else are we going to go with it? The conspiracy theories are wild, and I'm not buying into any of them, all right? And I know people are going to have new ones. They're going to keep coming out. But uh, the Patriots have a playoff game on Saturday, and my reaction to the Chandler Jones thing overall is you'd rather not hear this type of story, but at the same time, it's not something he's going to get suspended for. It looks like they had a little too much fun on Saturday night. You would rather have him not do this and be in preparing, resting, getting ready for a hard week of practice. It's also the first time I've seen Chandler Jones in this type of situation, in this type of trouble. And um, also, I I don't, he didn't get arrested, right? He, he, he checked himself in for a medical emergency. And it's no longer an emergency. He's practicing. Team has a playoff game. Belichick walks through the locker room with, with boxing gloves, and we move on. I, I don't know what else you'd like me to say about it. And, and you know the, the people in this town, whether it's the fans, the media, you know the people that are going to take this and run with it and continue to make this, you know, to come up with more conspiracy theories based on things that they hear from sources. Bottom line is this, Chandler Jones got fucked up. He got a little too fucked up, and 
you'd rather not have it happen. It did. He's fine on Monday morning. The team gets ready to prepare, and, you, and, and if he's ready to prepare, you move on. You know, if this was something that he was going to get suspended for, then I think I didn't think that's different. And if this is something that this is the second, third time we're seeing from him, then that's different, but it's not. And obviously, he's important to the Patriots. So, I think at this point, I think you just move on. I do. Um, so, that's where we stand on CSI New England on this Wednesday afternoon. Maybe by the time you listen to this podcast, somebody else has a new conspiracy theory that is just wild beyond words. I heard a couple of them last night. And I'm just, I'm not buying into them. I don't, I haven't put too much stock or thought into those conspiracy theories and connecting those dots, and I'm ready to move on. Because the divisional round, it begins on Saturday, so let's do it. I mean, let's preview the divisional round because we got eight teams left. You can call it the Elite Eight. We got four games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. If you look at the spreads of these games, unlike last week, the four games we had last week and a wild card weekend, only one home team was a favorite. Only one home team was a favorite. So you had three home teams in a wild card weekend that were underdogs. I feel like that's unheard of. I feel like that's a little strange. I could see if you had one team that was a home team that was an underdog, maybe a second, but three home teams that were underdogs last week? Well, no home teams in the divisional round are underdogs. They're all favorites. Uh, The biggest favorites, Arizona's a seven-point favorite. Denver's a seven-point favorite. Uh, The Patriots are five-point favorites, and the Panthers are three-point favorite as they host Seattle. The two games on Saturday, Kansas City at New England at 435. The Patriots are five-point favorite, as I mentioned, at at 815 Saturday night. Green Bay in Arizona to take on the Cardinals. The Cardinals, a seven-point favorite. Then Sunday at 1 you're going to get Seattle in Carolina. The Panthers are three-point favorite. And then Sunday at 4.30, the Steelers in Denver to take on the Broncos. The Broncos are a seven-point favorite in this one. Some of the key injuries to look at in this divisional round. Ben Roethlisberger, we know about his shoulder. That's a tough injury. AC joint sprain, which is torn ligaments. It's a shoulder separation. I told you I've suffered this injury, a level two AC joint separation, and it's not good. So I don't know how Ben Roethlisberger will be able to throw at his best. I don't think he will. And because of that, you know, I think Denver is, you know, right now they're a seven-point favorite with the Big Ben shoulder injury. I'm surprised it's not 10. That's how good Denver's defense is. I don't think Roethlisberger is not going to be able to throw deep down the field. That is for sure. Basically cuts the field in half. That's one injury to keep an eye out for the next couple days as team practice. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, it's it's looking like he's improving to the point where he possibly could be out there on Saturday against the Patriots as some type of decoy. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. D'Angelo Williams for Pittsburgh, running back. It doesn't look good. He was put back in a walking boot, right? And, and actually, Mike Tomlin has said D'Angelo Williams is on the outside looking in that's not a good thing you want to hear if you're the running back. But you you see how the running situation with Pittsburgh, they've lost Le'Veon Bell. They still were able to run the ball. They lost D'Angelo Williams last week. They still were able to run the ball with Toussaint 
and a couple of those other guys. So Pittsburgh can still run it. I don't think D'Angelo Williams is necessary in the backfield. They still have an offensive line to be able to run the football, but I do think Ben Roethlisberger and maybe the lack of a threat throwing the ball downfield that he might be, they might have a more difficult time, even if D'Angelo Williams was going to play uh, with Pittsburgh's run game. So keep an eye on that. Also with Pittsburgh, Antonio Brown with the concussion that he received in that game last weekend against Cincinnati. Now, Pac-Man Jones didn't hit him. Burfecht hit him. Burfecht suspended three games. Pac-Man Jones went on a show. Was it yesterday? Now, I didn't even know. I knew Brandon Marshall was part of that NFL Insider show. I didn't know they let him host a segment. Brandon Marshall's a fucking host of one of those shows. And he sits down with players, and he sat down with Pac-Man Jones, and he was asking him questions, and Pac-Man Jones said, I'll apologize to say, because Pac-Man Jones, what he previously said about Antonio Brown was, he said Antonio Brown winked at him on the field when Pac-Man Jones went over to ask if he's okay. And Pac-Man got frustrated with that. And after the game, Pac-Man Jones said, I think he said it on the Dan Patrick show that Antonio Brown was faking the injury that he had. And what Brandon Marshall asked him on this NFL Insider show was, he asked Pac-Man Jones, he said, will you apologize to Antonio Brown? And Pac-Man Jones says, I'll apologize only if Antonio Brown doesn't play this weekend. Pac-Man Jones, I'll give him credit. He started laughing, he said, but you know and I know then Antonio Brown's going to play this weekend. He's going to be out in that field. And <laughs> I, think he, I think he's right. I think we could see Antonio Brown this weekend in Denver. Uh, but it's something to keep an eye out for. It's a major piece to the Pittsburgh puzzle that you need to watch out because if he's, out, if he's not out there, that's a major loss, even if Big Ben was healthy. So... We'll keep an eye on Antonio Brown. Another guy to watch out for, Demarcus Ware. That's an injury. Denver, you know, he's a key part of their pass rush, getting to the quarterback. He's been banged up a lot this season. He's got a sprained MCL he suffered at the end of the regular season to go, go along with a back injury that he had earlier. Uh, Demarcus Ware, they, they'd like to have him out on that field. I don't know what his status is, and I don't think they know We'll see moving forward as we get some more practices in, but that's a guy to watch out for. Marshawn Lynch with Seattle running back. He pulled himself uh, out of the game right before last week, said he couldn't play. And I think that might have thrown the Seahawks for a loop. And I expect him to play in this one. He gets that extra week. I expect him to play against Carolina, but certainly somebody that we won't know until maybe game time. He, again, he pulled himself out last minute last week. We'll see what he does this week. And speaking of running backs, Chris Johnson with Arizona. Look, they've used they've started to use David Johnson an awful lot, and he's done a nice job, not just running the football. He's a big back that can catch the ball out of the backfield and, and get some big plays and move the chains. David Johnson's done a great job. Chris Johnson may be available if they get to the Super Bowl. He's beginning to practice again, but even if he is ready, I don't know that they're going to get away from David Johnson in Arizona. Maybe they use two backs. I don't know. They might stick with David Johnson, but Chris Johnson's status, something certainly, and his availability, something to watch out for. And, of course, all the New England Patriots injury issues. I'm expecting Sebastian Vollmer to play on that offensive line. I'm expecting Hightower to return uh, the linebacker in the middle of that field. I'm expecting Julian Edelman to be back. 
uh, Chandler Jones to return, but certainly things as we look for the injury reports that will be coming out today, something to pinpoint as you keep an eye on the top storylines here in the divisional round. And uh, as we look at all these games, you know, I, I look at some of the defensive stats for these teams. Now, this is it. Like, these are the eight best teams in the NFL. They are. And uh, you can call it the Elite Eight if you want. Now, all eight of these defenses are ranked or were ranked in the top 12 in the NFL in points per game when the regular season ended. With Green Bay being the worst of the eight, allowing 20.2 points per game. All right. Now, out of all these defenses that finished top 12 in the NFL in points per game, Seattle and Denver, statistically, in the regular season, they finish as the top two defenses. I'm, I'm talking about everything. You're taking points per game, rush yards per game, pass yards per game. Statistically, Seattle, Denver, the best two defenses. Stats that jump out defensively for all of these eight teams, there are two. When you talk about teams that may be vulnerable or more vulnerable than the other teams defensively, because I think that's, the, that's really what you should be looking at right now, Green Bay, they have the worst run defense out of all the teams in the playoffs, and it's not really close. They rank 21st in the league in rush defense, allowing 119 rush yards per game. That's what that's Green Bay. And the other stat that jumps out, Pittsburgh, their pass defense. It's one of the worst pass defenses in football. They rank 30th in the league, allowing 272 pass yards per game. So the Steelers' pass defense is not really any good. And for all the talk about Denver and their offense and Peyton Manning being the quarterback again and not maybe not being able to throw the ball downfield, um, well, if there's one thing that's going to help them, it would be that Pittsburgh's pass defense isn't great statistically. And if they're going to allow 270-plus yards in the air per game, you know, I think you got to at least say that Peyton Manning could be good for, for 200. And if he doesn't turn the ball over, and maybe a couple of those passes out of those 200 are touchdown passes, I mean, Denver, you even look at the other side with Pittsburgh's offense, maybe not being able to score too many points in this one, you got to give the edge to the Broncos. And that's why I look at it and say, I'm surprised they're maybe not a 10-point favorite in this game. But Pittsburgh, you look at that terrible pass defense and the fact that Denver's defense all around is one of the best in the league, and it's in Denver, and Ben Roethlisberger is banged up, Antonio Brown is banged up, D'Angelo Williams is banged up. This is, to me, Denver's going to win this game. And, and uh, you know, I don't even I don't even question that pick at all. I mean, I, I, that might be my lock of the week, the Broncos winning and then hosting the AFC Championship the week after that. Who would they play? Well, the winner of the Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs. If there's one thing Kansas City doesn't do, which is what we talked about going into their playoff game against Houston last week, it's that the Chiefs do not turn over the football. They're a five-point dog in this one. I told you yesterday that Alex Smith, I, I've told you for years now, that Alex Smith is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. And I think fantasy football... It's, it's changed the way we look at someone like Alex Smith who does not turn the ball over and who has been able to win games with his legs and his arm while not really throwing for 300, 350 yards a game, right? 
the fantasy footballs ruined the way we look at a quarterback like Alex Smith and also combined with the fact that he was a number one overall pick and maybe expectations because of that were a little bit higher than some other quarterbacks that weren't taken that high in the draft. But uh, Alex Smith, he's done the job. The Chiefs have won 10, 11 straight games now, and I don't think that's any fluke. They've done it while losing their top running back in Jamal Charles. You know, you talk about fantasy sports. I mean, how many people took Jamal Charles top five in their draft overall in fantasy football? A lot of people. A lot of people did. I think I had fourth overall pick in one of my drafts, and I took Jamal Charles. And when he went down, it was a devastating blow. But it was not a devastating blow for the Kansas City Chiefs, and you add their defense onto that and what they've been able to do defensively, uh, they are gonna they're gonna be a tough opponent for the Patriots. And what this game is gonna come down to, though, is look, it's in Gillette, so the Patriots have the home field advantage, but they need to be able to protect Tom Brady. You know, the Chiefs. I think there's one thing they need to look at: don't turn the ball over. If you're Kansas City, don't turn the ball over. If you're the Patriots, protect Tom Brady. Those are the two keys for each team. I think if you look, if, if you're the Chiefs and you don't turn the ball over, you're relying on your defense and you might be relying on your kicker. And if you're Kansas City, you've won games with defense and your kicker. So I don't think it would be the craziest thing in the world if you said Kansas City has a shot if they don't turn the ball over. I think that's the key for them. Because you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. You could get a special teams, something, turnover. Uh, kick return for a touchdown, something crazy could happen. If you don't turn the ball over, you're giving your team a shot in Gillette Stadium. I think that's the case with Kansas City. If you're the Patriots and you can protect Tom Brady, well, we know what type of shot they have when they protect Tom Brady, when Julian Edelman gets back on the field. Uh, Ultimately, when we put away the spread for a minute, and I'm not going to give you my picks with the spread now. I'm going to wait till Friday. Picks, picks. I give them every Friday just to win this game. I think the Patriots win a close one. Uh, I, I do. I think they pull it out. I think that maybe they get that one turnover, that big fumble recovery or interception, or, or maybe a sack fumble where they get to Alex Smith and they're able to get the football and Ninkovich strips it out and, and it gives them field position and they get that, that extra touchdown or that extra field goal. I think that will be the difference for the Patriots. I think it'll be close. I think the Patriots, though, will win, and they will beat a tough Kansas City team. I'm not overlooking the Chiefs, but to say that the Patriots will win this game, I don't think that is overlooking the Chiefs if you say you believe it's going to be close, and I believe it will be close, but the Patriots will win and go to the AFC Championship and play the Denver Broncos in a matchup. That is inevitable. Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, or as I like to look at it, when the Patriots play Denver and when the Patriots play Peyton Manning, Bill Belichick versus Peyton Manning, because you know who has the edge in that matchup. It's Bill Belichick. So I think the Patriots will beat the Chiefs, the Broncos will beat the Steelers, and then when you get to the NFC on Saturday, Green Bay, they are in Arizona. Arizona is a seven-point favorite on Saturday night at 8-15, and uh, this game is on NBC. The Cardinals, I tell you, they have everything. They have a quarterback. They have a run game. They have an offensive line. They have the secondary. They have the pass rush. They have, in my opinion, the coaching. They have it all. And the playmakers defensively, the, the receiving core that, that can make plays, the veterans, the young kids, they got everything. 
The Cardinals have everything that you could possibly want to say, hey, uh, we need to win a Super Bowl. And what they also have this weekend is home field advantage against the Green Bay Packers team that I told you has the, you know, one of the worst run defenses in football. They do. And um, when you look at that and you see what David Johnson's been able to do, I think he's in for a big day. I think David Johnson is in for a monster day. And I think the Arizona Cardinals will use that to their advantage to be able to throw the football downfield. Um, and when you look at Aaron Rodgers and his, look, I know in that game against the Redskins last weekend, it looked a little different than it did at the end of the regular season. Cause at the end of the regular season, Aaron Rodgers, it looked like he was running around. There were no open receivers. There was nothing going on. There was no protection for him. It just didn't look good for their offense. It looked as bad as I have ever seen an Aaron Rodgers offense look. But in this game, I think it could you, you're going to see times in which they get back to that because Arizona's defense is so good. So I think they're going to give Aaron Rodgers some fits. I think they're going to give the Packers offense some fits. And I think Arizona with the home field advantage – I do think that they win this game, and uh, I think Arizona will then go to Carolina in the NFC Championship because Carolina, on Sunday at 1, they host the Seahawks, and I think they're going to beat the Seahawks. Now, Marshawn Lynch would be a huge addition for Seattle, but even if he plays, given the fact that he pulled himself out last week, I just don't know how healthy he's going to be, so I don't know how good Marshawn Lynch is going to look. What I do know is that the Carolina Panthers, with only one loss in the regular season, which is too good to, to host a playoff game and to lose. And I've told you, Seattle is the most, they're the, they're the most dangerous wildcard team in the playoffs. All four wildcard teams are left because all four road teams won last week. I put a poll on my website, dannypicard.com. Who's the most dangerous wildcard team in the divisional round? 60% say the Seattle Seahawks. So 60%, the majority, they agree with me. Now, the Steelers didn't get any votes. Kansas City, Green Bay, uh, they're in the 20 to 25% range. But really, it's the majority believes and agrees with me that Seattle is the most dangerous wildcard team. That doesn't mean I believe they're going to win because they have, I think it, it, it's a bad I think it's a bad matchup for them. I really do. Uh, Carolina is the team to me that's going to come out of the NFC, and I, I think they're going to beat the Seahawks. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a dogfight. But again, Carolina at home, Cam Newton being the MVP, you can't stop them. I don't know how Seattle's going to stop them. I know they have one of the best defenses in the league, but guess what? Carolina's defense is pretty damn good too. And... When I see what Cam Newton did all season, much like I believe Kansas City's win streak is no fluke, I don't think Cam Newton, what he's been able to do, is a fluke. And this is a Carolina team that went in to Seattle this year and won a game. They went into Seattle and won. That's not an easy thing to do. So you got to give them some credit for that. Carolina answered all the big tests that they had this year, except for the one which was go undefeated. And the fact that they didn't... Look, I, I'm all about if you want to go for the undefeated streak, go for it. But if you don't get it and you lose a game, I will also say it's not the worst thing in the world for your organization. It's not. It's not the worst thing in the world for them. So, 
they lose that game. They go into this one, hosting a playoff game after the bye week. They don't have the pressure of being undefeated. And uh, I, th- I think ultimately, I-, I just don't think that hurts. All right? And I'm going to pick the Panthers to win, and they will host the Arizona Cardinals in the NFC Championship. So that's what we look like here going into the divisional round. Look, every Wednesday, I preview the upcoming week. I know we've had so much time to look at these games and uh, evaluate them and look at the matchups, but that's where I see the matchups and the the advantages here going in. So it is a Wednesday. I had to give my preview. We're sticking to the form on this podcast. Sometimes there are things that, you know, make us change the schedule a little bit. But this week, not much. And even the whole Chandler Jones thing, I'm not going to let that. I'm not going to I'm not gonna let a story like that, that, that really, if you look at what, how the Patriots are reacting to it, which is it's really not a big deal if he's going to practice. And, you know, he's back at practice and that's it. They're moving on. It's a one-time thing. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. You know, and not Dan Hodd connecting the dots like some you know, conspiracy theorists on the media and fan base, they're moving on, I'm moving on too. That's that's just the way I look at it. It deserves to be a story. It was a story. It was a story this morning. It was a story last night, story this morning. What do we got now? Chandler's practicing again. Gronk's practicing again. Belichick's black eye is healing. He walks through the locker room with boxing gloves. What else more is there to say? Honestly, what else more is there to say? I told you, if the league wants to pursue it, and if and he fails a drug test because he was smoking something or taking something, uh, then he'll be put on the substance abuse program. He's not going to get suspended. He's going to play. Right? He's going to play. Now, if this was the third or fourth time this is happening, then, yeah, we're talking about suspension. But we're not. From everything I know, it's the first time we've seen something like this. And, um, you know, it certainly doesn't look good for the kid and his reputation. I understand that, but for right now, the playoffs. You know, we gotta we gotta move on to the playoffs. We gotta move on to the divisional round. Now, if Chandler Jones is out there sloppy and he's out of breath and it looks like he's been pottying all week, it's a different story. But I don't know that that's the story, right? Weekend off, had a little too much fun, took him, turned himself in, said I need medical help. They gave it to him. The team acknowledged it. Who knows what they said to him? They dealt with it internally. They felt that it wasn't too big a deal where they needed to punish him, uh, at least when it comes to hurting the team. So he practiced. Looks like he's going to play. And they need him. And that's that. That's what, that's what we stand on. So I don't know how much more you want me to say about it, how much more anyone else is going to say that that's up to them. But let's move on. Another NFL story is the Rams going back to Los Angeles. I mean, I think we kind of knew this was going to happen. The Rams, the Chargers, the Raiders, they were all they all wanted to make this happen. The interesting story is, though, St. Louis, they're going to L.A. The Rams are going back to L.A. St. Louis loses an NFL franchise now for the second time. They lost the Cardinals years ago. Now they lose the Rams, and the Rams go back to L.A. 30 of 32 NFL owners approved of this move. New stadium will be ready in 2019. They'll play in the L.A. Coliseum until then. But who's going to go with them? The Chargers have a year-long option to join the Rams in L.A. They do. They have a year-long option. If they decline, the Raiders will then have a year-long option to have the opportunity to join. 
Now, the Raiders and the Chargers, they wanted to join forces together to go to L.A. Looks like that's not going to happen. The Rams had the best offer. They're taking the Rams in L.A., and they want either the Raiders or the Chargers. So we'll see. If the Chargers agree to it, they can go. If, the, if they don't agree to it, the Raiders can go. We'll, uh, if the Chargers really want to go, go to L.A., they'll agree to it. But we'll see. Uh, but that's the story. The Rams are going back to Los Angeles. Before I wrap it up here, got to tell you, I'm on TV tonight after the Celtics host the Pacers. The Celtics lost to the Knicks in New York City last night. Uh, I am on TV, Comcast Sportsnet New England. The game's at 8. We probably won't be on till 11-ish, 11 o'clock. I'll keep you updated on Twitter. Follow me, at Danny Picard. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Jeff Howe with the Boston Herald. He's going to join me on this show. We'll talk some Patriots, some NFL. And then on Friday, Albert Bria of the NFL Network. He'll join me over the phone. I'm on radio Friday night, 10 to midnight on WEI 93.7 FM, getting you ready for the Patriots game on Saturday. Uh, but here we are getting ready for it now on a Wednesday, and I'm really, I'm just anxious. I just want to get to the weekend. I just want to get to this football game. This story that comes out today, uh, last night, about Chandler Jones, it's not something the team wants to deal with, so I'm sure they're not happy with it. It's not something really that I, 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 know, I don't want to deal with. It. I don't think the fans want to deal with it. I think that's why there's frustration and there's questions. But um, again, I'll close it out with this thought. He's practicing. Hasn't missed anything. The team's allowing him to practice. They're having him practice. Looks like he's going to play. The team needs him. Gronk's back. Belichick seemingly joking about his black eye. Let's not overreact here, folks. Let's not overreact. I'm here five days a week. You can subscribe and listen to the show at dannypicard.com, also on iTunes. And if you don't have an iPhone, make sure you get the show on the Stitcher app. Download it. It is free. Again, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all forms of social media, TV tonight. I'm back here tomorrow. Talk to you then.